Hi, welcome to the Songs with Substance podcast. I'm Ren, and on this show, I invite introspective musicians to come along, skip the small talk, and get existential. My mission for this show is twofold. Firstly, I want to discover new up-and-coming indie artists, because I love music, and I'm an indie musician, and I just want to know more of them. I want to know why they make music, and how, and how they feel about the industry, which leads me to my second point. The second reason why I started this podcast is because I want to get other artists' perspectives on how they're creating their version of success in the notoriously competitive, and challenging music industry without compromising on their authenticity. So if you're an indie artist looking for companionship as you navigate the music industry, then this podcast is for you. I really want this to be a place where you can just kick back and relax and feel profoundly understood and that you're not alone in feeling the pressures that you're feeling. And if you're not an indie musician, but you are an indie music lover looking to discover new artists, then this podcast is also for you. Today's guest is Pink Mario, a dream pop indie artist based in Berlin who just released a song called You Know Who To Call about the value Value of human connection in an increasingly fast-paced and digitally governed reality. In this episode, we spoke about his process in writing the song, as well as the relationship between boredom and creativity, how to have a healthy relationship with social media as an indie artist in the attention economy, what success in music even means today, and the challenge of learning to commercialize your art. So without further ado, let's dive straight into our conversation with Pink Mario. When your mind is tangled up in thoughts of entropy, <laughs> all right okay so pink mario welcome to the songs with substance podcast thank you for having um, me very honored to have you on you just released a song called you know who to call a dream pop track where you sort of explore from my perspective the value of human connection in an age that's sort of technologically governed that's my interpretation of course you're the artist so I'll be asking you about that and then I also want to ask you about your experience in the music industry as an independent artist you sent me a really great medium piece that you wrote about learning uh, Facebook advertising and sort of different promotional strategies and I think that would be very interesting for a lot of other independent musicians that are learning to make it mm-hmm. in their own mm-hmm. way. So, make it. Yeah. Make it big, like me. Make it big, <laughs> which is a whole other topic too. It's like, what is success yeah, yeah, yeah. today, even anyway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why don't you tell me a bit more about the inspiration behind the song? I think you explained the song better than I could, actually. I had a feeling <laughs> you'd be able to. Yeah, I think a lot of it stems from a, a growing feeling of dread I've had recently about AI in particular. Mm-hmm the role of AI in our future. I, I, I think it's weird for me because I, I, I never really have to embark on an ex- explanation about my, my music and my songs. So this is a kind of interesting experiment to do that. But the first thing I'll say is that lyrics are always the last thing I ever add to a song. Mm-hmm. I, I never begin a song wanting to tell, a, let's say, a narrative story like a, with, with words. I always begin a song trying to tell a story with melodies and with the music. So I've, I've grown to really appreciate lyrics as a vessel for the voice and a way to, to, to add and compound the effect of a, of a melody or a song. But that's the first thing I want to say, because just to make it clear that I, I don't really sit down at the computer and be like, I'm going to, you know, AI has been really troubling me. I'm going to write a, a good old ballad about, you know, connection and the importance of real life connection. But, but then when things fall together, it's really nice. And you're kind of like, oh, that's, you know, if anything, I'm, I'm learning about myself as I do it, which is, which is a cool thing. I think I was in the shower and I just started singing like, you know who to call? Like, God, my voice at the moment is really crackly. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, that, that, that could be a hook. That could be a, a, an interesting hook like, with those lyrics. So then it's kind of about how do I fashion the song around those lyrics? And then it made sense to make it about this kind of experience of, of being very confused and scared about, about the world. And fundamentally, that there being this option to connect, whether it's with other people or with yourself, to be honest, to find solace. Yeah. So that's kind of my my take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Again, a lot of stuff I can relate to because I'm exactly the same way with songwriting. I think I mentioned this last time as well, but I always write melody first and then the lyrics feel like what you're describing, like they come to me in little bits. And my job almost feels more like, how do these little bits connect to each other like I'll get like a random word here with that melody and a random bit of a lyric at the end and I'm like you know it almost feels like I need to sort of make a merge what already exists beneath the Mm -hmm. surface but I'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. what what the song's about it reveals itself to me is what I'm trying to say more than like I choose to write about this yeah so I'm the same way which is very interesting to sort of see how common the creative process can be that it's not that Mm -hmm. personal it sort of confirms to me that it's 
for some of us, like kind of like a channeling of sorts, you know, instead mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. a mind based, yeah. like, let me yeah. just make a profound yeah. song about a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we can be that too. Not, no shade. <laughs> but <laughs> ooh, check out what yeah. Ren just said about. Ooh. I'm gonna get cancelled. No. <laughs> yeah, in in the most niche songwriting community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, at what point did you realize that this was a song about AI? Like, at what point did it emerge itself to you? If that's a question that is answerable. But the thing is, I, I don't actually think it's a song about AI. Okay. As in, I, I still also, I'm very reluctant to actually say what any song is about because mm-hmm. I don't think it matters what a song is about. I think mm-hmm. the most important thing is what what a, how you feel when you listen to a song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I still don't really think the song is about AI. And, and with most of my songs, once they're finished, I just let them be as whatever they are. And I mm-hmm. don't really care too much about the concrete ideas in in them and you know the classic like i prefer i much prefer interpretation over like some kind of weird didactic relationship mm-hmm. where i'm imposing a, a thought on someone mm-hmm. um that's the way that i fell in love with music myself I, f- I fell in love with with melodies and and broad songs and i a lot of the songs that i grew up listening to from artists like beach house the strokes i couldn't tell you the lyrics to i kind of just sing gib- the gibberish that i hear and, and and that kind of proves to me the fact that I've never really cared that much what the song was about. I much mm-hmm. rather engage with the the flavor or the, you know. Yeah, that's so funny. You just re-triggered a memory I hadn't thought about from my childhood in like forever. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into my, my childhood, <laughs> I promise. But like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like a class trip and I had a little iPod Nano or whatever it's called. One of those iPods back in the day because I'm so old. Nice. And I had an iPod. <laughs> You're like, nice. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, don't worry. I, I have had uh, plenty of iPods. Don't worry. I've had a whole generation of iPods. Great. Yeah. <laughs> We've aged ourselves, but yeah. it's cool. Yeah, we're yeah, wise yeah, yeah. and mature, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I remember like we were on this class trip, and I same as you, I, I only ever listened to the melodies to the point that I was watching a friend of mine who was listening to music on her iPod, and she was like reciting all the words. She was singing along with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I remember being amazed by that. I was like, how did she memorize all these words? You know, mm-hmm. I spent mm-hmm. my life listening to music. It just like I was incapable of remembering the words because I was so focused on the the melody and exactly what you're saying, how it made me feel. Yeah. And so on that point, did you have an intention as to what you were trying to make your audience feel with this song? Um. Yeah, I think to go a bit more into my process or whatever I don't really see it as a process it's more kind of you know <laughs> laziness as in like I, lo- I love how art often for me comes from just in a, a sense of boredom in a good way in a kind of healthy I don't really know what to do right now I, I think why why wouldn't I just pick up my laptop and start writing something? so anyway to go into that process a song to me is a long chain of tiny decisions and accidents that happen over the course of like three four hours when I'm sitting down with my laptop and so I never know what feeling I want to give to people. It's, it's rather that the feeling I give to people is, is a, a result of this kind of hazy, like meandering through time. And, and that is, I love that process so much because there's really no, there's no rules or no need for me to pursue any particular direction. It's just, I guess I'm like you and like other artists, I'm more drawn to a set of sounds, which I think characterize how I feel best. Like in this song, there's a nice warm pad. There's, you know, these kind of glittery synths. And so I, I know, you know, vaguely my sound palette, if you want to call it that. And then the rest is, I guess, how I want to express myself through my music, which is probably more on the melancholic side of the spectrum, more on the introspective side, more on the kind of trying to get people, not get people, that sounds like I'm grabbing them by the collar and being like, you must feel profound now. <laughs> like, I would like people to connect with something really quite real in themselves on an emotional level. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. I, yeah, yeah totally. There's a couple of points I really liked about what you said. I mean, the first one is boredom and how creativity comes out of boredom. And I think that's very true. It makes me mm. think about social media. And I see this trend in myself all the time where it's like, as soon as I feel an emotion that's uncomfortable, I'm like, Instagram, like dopamine, mm-hmm. let's do mm-hmm. it, you know? And I'm having to train myself to not do that precisely for the reason you're talking about, because I want to be more creative and I want to be able to give myself enough silence in my day 
and enough yeah. boredom that that can emerge precisely actually when you feel an uncomfortable emotion because creativity can be you know songwriting can be a way to like diffuse that instead of just like going for the phone yeah. but despite that awareness it's like i still feel that compulsion so much mm-hmm. how did you come to realize that boredom was an important thing to feel to be creative well actually for, for starters even talking to someone like we are now about why you make music is is incredibly important because I, I've never really I don't talk about this stuff on a daily on a daily basis. I don't, I don't like walk into a cafe and be like, I'll have a cappuccino, please. Also, like, you, did you know that like when you're bored, you know, you produce your best stuff. But <laughs> yeah. what, what I mean by that is it's really interesting for me to talk about this stuff because I, I'm only realizing this stuff now. So it's kind of like. Mm-hmm. When you ask, when did I realize? I realized now. <laughs> like, I realized over the course of this interview that boredom is important. Of course, these things exist, you know, my subconscious or I, I know them, but it takes verbalizing them to, to, to understand them. My songwriting has always come from a place of, of boredom, but also boredom, I think, is, it, is a nice feeling or state to be in because, yeah, you can fill it with anything. And so it's telling what you choose to fill it with. Obviously, these days in the whole attention economy, there's there's big, big like stakeholders on our attention and mm. and how we spend our time. But um, I guess I grew up, you know, before people were s- severely addicted to the internet. So I remember times of just boredom and, and needing to fit it with creativity. So maybe that's a, a kind of one reason why I, I um, make music when I, I feel boredom, but also the desire to express yourself. I think like. There's so much happening subconsciously that I don't understand about how, you know, you might be repressing certain certain emotions and it's important for you to make a a song to just like singing. It's just like, I'm here, like, look at me or like, like, I feel this. And (laughs) yeah. How do you navigate on the one hand needing to be bored to be creative, but then also needing to be on social media to promote your work? had to clear my throat because it's such a big question I, I need, uh, <laughs> more more vocal power yeah. so so are you asking basically how you can reconcile like on the one hand enjoying boredom and the other hand needing to partake in like the system which is mm-hmm. really yeah. trying to undermine your boredom yeah exactly well it seems like a conflict of interest on the surface because it's like on the one hand you need to be off social media and off the internet enough to sort of give yourself a space in which to be creative and produce content, you know, or or art. And then it's a whole thing about what's art and what's content. But anyway, I won't get into that right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So you need periods of silence and isolation from social media and the internet to be creative. But then at the same time, like you said, because we live in an intention economy and the market is so oversaturated with music, it's, there's this pressure to if you want to find your audience especially if you're starting out like you need to be Mm -hmm. posting a lot you need to be engaging the comments all the time responding to dms posting stories like doing the reels and you know so it just sometimes feels a little bit like it's a hard balance to find between not being online and being chronically online to sort of connect with your audience yeah definitely yeah i mean you you said it like i i have no solution to this i i'm working out these problems every day i feel like my whole life is just this this kind of you know the scales shifting from being way too obsessed with social media and how regularly i need to post content and on the other hand deeply understanding and knowing that it's not good for me and that i i i feel much better when i'm engaging with the real world as my like default and not and not the digital world as my default um i i could and i hopefully will because i'm really into these themes write a book about this stuff because there's so much to say and obviously loads of people are writing books about it and i <laughs> i'd have to find an original angle and not just be like social media is crap i'm trying to frame social media at the moment i'm trying to like put it in this box which i can engage with kind of quite objectively and then just make sure that i'm actually being a real person for most of my life. So whether that's actual like real world things you can do, like buying a digital alarm clock and not having your phone in your bedroom, putting it off in the other room charging, which I've done for like the last two years and has been amazing, by the way, recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I will do that. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Like you just, it just means that you're never looking at your phone as the first thing in the morning, never as the last thing at night. My sleep's improved and, um, it creates like this kind of sacred space in your bedroom, which is cool. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm trying to like build in more things like that. Like these little bits of framework, which can help you just box in your social media time, but it's, it's really ongoing that kind of struggle. Mm -hmm. You mentioned how obviously you prefer real life interactions, sort of digital Mm -hmm. interactions, which reminded me of the very last paragraph of the medium piece you sent me um, Mm. that I might link in the description if you'll allow, because it's very... Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, of course. (laughs) My 41 subscribers might have access to this. It's going to pop off. Um, (laughs) But anyway, it was really well written and it was about your, like I said earlier, your journey learning to sort of Uh, advertise and promote your work and we'll get into that because there's a lot to say also but I wanted to give a little shout out to that last part of the article where you talk about artificial validation you know how you get those you get the streams up through these strategies by genuinely building an actual audience just because your your promotion strategy is like targeted to people who would Mm -hmm. genuinely love your music and I thought that that was very interesting because I've been thinking a lot about this concept of like what is success and like there are moments where I start to feel like I don't even care anymore about having a certain amount of streams because mm-hmm. it starts to feel so, you know, when you start to learn about what it takes to get there and the sort of formula of it and, you know, it, the magic of it kind of goes away and it starts to feel like that's just digits, like it's just numbers, you know, what's it going to, it's not, I start to see how it probably wouldn't actually change how I feel about myself at all. It probably wouldn't change my life and so my yearning for success that probably was a lot more ego-based in the past is really starting to like wither away um and what i prefer more is like genuine connection through my work and so like getting Mm -hmm. those messages and from people who truly feel touched by what i'm doing or whatever yeah so i just wanted to give a shout out to that part of the article because it's very reassuring to know that it's like well i'm not the only one that actually sees the like it's not meaningless to have lots of streams because it matters obviously like if you want to make a living from your work which is totally something that has value Mm -hmm. but it's just not as much of an achievement i suppose uh, emotionally as it seems on the surface and so my question to you you know pivoting onto the theme of what is success today in music do -hmm. you feel like you've achieved success where you where you are now do you feel successful Oof, yeah. Um, sorry, that wasn't a yeah as in yeah, I do. <laughs> well, the oof kind of gave it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just harking back to the point I've made, I'm figuring this stuff out as as I go and and talking about it is important and is, is very useful. I don't, no, I, I don't because of the fact that I've begun this process of commercializing my art. And I think for me at the moment, success in that sense uh, requires being able to make a living from music full time. So... Uh, yeah not currently but of course the things that tie into that are your streams and you know and how many people listen to music for for monthly streaming revenue which is obviously pitiful but in theory if you've got enough of it it can it can be something so i answer that question with a pinch of salt because i really don't think that yeah i think this 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 whole success question is very very interesting and wrapped up wrapped up with just how humans have always evolved to pursue growth in in like a very inbuilt way and not really pausing to appreciate what like what's already happened and what we already have but you actually you just mentioned you said kind of what i've emotionally achieved which is a really interesting concept because even the idea of achievement is is implying like reaching something or like attaining something and and then being like fulfilled but Back to what I'm saying, I think we're hardwired to always want more, basically, or at least hardwired by when we group together in villages and societies and realized we needed to like keep track of how much grain we were harvesting or whatever, that kind of stuff. So I want to get to a point, I'm not there. I want to get to a point where I'm where I'm happy just because I've put my art out there and I, very, I am very proud of my art and I'm, I hope it has a positive impact on people's lives. Yeah, and, and I really don't want to be the kind of person that's always wanting a greater emotional achievement because I think that's a, like I said it's a bit of a paradox I think an emotional achievement would be just not thinking about emotional achievements and being happy with whatever all this stuff is much easier said than done and in the end you wake up and you realize that you've got this project which you really want to turn into your your livelihood because you still for whatever reason you still well not for whatever reason for very clear reasons you still operate as part of society and in order to be part of society you need to make money so yeah that was a bit rambling but you know 
as soon as you start to kind of commodify, commoditize one of those mm-hmm. words, your art, yeah. it, it gets a bit sticky. And um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, again, what you were saying before about how when you talk about things live, it helps you like answer your own questions. Because mm-hmm. in listening to you answer my question, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a distinction to be made, like that maybe as I almost got this visual of like success is like the umbrella term that combines survival and emotional fulfillment. And it's like what you're talking about when you say I want to make a living from my art as a form of success, I might categorize that as like a survival thing. It's like you just Mm. need to sort of make Mm. an income Mm -hmm. so you can survive in the world. And then the emotional fulfillment part has nothing to do with the amount of streams and the amount of money and whatever, but it has everything to do with the emotional connection you have with the people that resonate with your work and like the impact that you're leaving. And I would, I would suggest according to my theory that I'm sure many people have already (laughs) theorized, but that success is like a combination of both those things, like survival Mm -hmm. needs and emotional fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'd even say that the emotional fulfillment side can be separate to connection with people. I think connection with people is great. Mm-hmm. And it's scientifically proven that you need, a, well, you don't need, well, yes, yeah, you do need. <laughs> it's scientifically proven that you, that we humans need connection to be happy and to, to live long lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right, actually, to, to say that. But then I, the point I was going to make before I just refuted my point very handily is that, is that I think for me, I was nourished long before I started releasing my music because I would produce demos basically for myself for, for 10 years. And it was a really nice way for me to, to remind myself of how I like to express myself and who I was really. And now when I look back and I listen back to those old demos, they're also these really nice little markers in my life being like, Oh, whoa, that's like, that was 2011. Like that, that brings me exactly to the place where I was and the feeling it's like any, you can listen to any song, which you were like obsessed with in the past. It doesn't have to be your own song. But it's a really nice kind of time machine, really. To, mm-hmm. to back. My point was that I think that kind of emotional fulfillment is also just as valid as the one derived from the direct connection between you and your audience or you and your a listener. Yeah, it's, it actually reminds me of your song, conveniently. Mm. Oh, nice. Moving <laughs> <laughs> back into that, because as I was listening to your songs, you're talking about like, you know who to call, like, I'm here for you. If you feel overwhelmed, you can reach out to me as kind of thing. And as I was listening to it, I, I was thinking to myself, what if I don't know who to call? And at the very oh, end of really? the song, you say it verbally, you say like, what if I don't know who to call? And I was like, whoa, I felt whoa. like, whoa. <laughs> next level, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why did you feel the need to add that at the very end? Was this planned, first of all, or was it Not spontaneous? Not okay. at all. Yeah, I was I was just in the, in a session with my producer, and yeah, I was like, let me try this thing, just on on a total like spontaneous note, and I did it, and um, <laughs> I think still we we disagree, me and my producer, on whether or not it should have been included because it kind of like on one on the one hand could come across as quite maybe cringe or breaking the fourth wall in like a you know in a weird way, but I was like, I didn't really want to overthink it. I was like, I, I thought it sounded quite funny and also yeah it covers my bases for people who don't know who to call yeah i i don't know it really it, it was just instinctive to to say something like that yeah well i'm glad you did because i felt <laughs> seen in that moment i mean yeah. thankfully i do have people that i can call but it but i in listening to it it just made me think i don't know why that thought just came to me it was like what if you don't though you know because I, I guess i was i was thinking about just the loneliness epidemic that sort of is also a part of our reality these days with social mm-hmm. media and stuff and yeah. how sometimes like i could imagine some people feeling that way and so it just mm-hmm. came to my mind yeah so i appreciate the shout out and then also i think the reason why i asked this question just now is because you were talking about how you know in terms of emotional fulfillment it's not always about other people like you can be emotionally fulfilled doing things for Mm -hmm. yourself being with Mm -hmm. yourself Mm self-soothing you you were describing that with the demos that you recorded for 10 years Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was interesting that you added that little bit at the end where it's like maybe my interpretation of that right now could be like well maybe you don't need maybe you don't always need to call someone like maybe you are capable in this moment of sitting with what you're feeling and Mm -hmm. making peace with it and you know there's many tibetan monks that isolate themselves from everyone to find peace so it's possible (laughs) they don't got no android yeah (laughs) they they probably do they call like a higher power i suppose exactly in their meditations that that definitely 
I think that that makes sense as an as an interpretation. So weird to like talk about your own art, being like, yes, I I, 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 accept, I accept your interpretation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I I think for me, you know, I said that line. What if what if I don't know who to call? Because sometimes I feel like that, and mm -hmm. I, I feel like I. And it's not about calling people, really. It's more about calling, yeah, yourself. Like having having some foundation for tranquility or 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 peace, irrespective of of other people and and what's going on. I also wanted to touch base on all these demos that you'd recorded for the last ten years, because one of the yeah. questions I wanted to ask you is from my savvy research you know before this chat oh wow <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh no maybe it was just like your article or something that said yeah. that you started um releasing music as pink mario in 2020 so it's just three years ago yeah. is that correct information yeah, yeah. that's correct okay. I, I i released a soundcloud like long before that but yeah you know my uh my three listens came from me and my brother mm. um so yeah but i've been making music since since i was 15 well i mean actually earlier but um properly electronically since i was around 15 mm -hmm. and yeah, there's loads of trash that, that <laughs> i had to just sift through yeah. on my uh yeah on my board i know days. all about that i've made oh. my share of trash as well <laughs> um yeah, still do sometimes you know it's like... it's honestly all about the trash like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so there seems to be a distinction between those first 10 years plus of making demos and starting to take music seriously or like you were saying, commercialize your art through Pink Mario. Yeah. What led you to sort of in 2020 decide to, for lack of a better term, like take it seriously? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got into this pattern of thinking that that music was my hobby and I, and I don't regret that. I think it's, of course, I, I it was a lovely hobby and... Ironically, the times when I was making music before I started releasing it were just as fulfilling, if not more fulfilling. And that's like what we were talking about, how it was just purely for my own enjoyment and purely for my own sense of expression. But then, you know, I moved very, through various different places and I ended up where I am now in Berlin. And um, three years ago, I just met um, a, who's someone who's a very good friend now, who's a music producer who um listened to my demos and really liked them and was just the first real kind of uh, stimulus for me to start releasing the music and he helped me really kickstart everything um and i needed that really uh it's it's funny now because i feel so committed to this as a as a life or potential life but three years ago there was no no inkling no idea of like this being a possibility so it happened very quickly but i'm very happy about that yeah what was the learning curve like for in terms of learning how to commercialize your work like going from someone who perceived music as a hobby to someone who's perceiving music as possibly a form of an income and like a lifestyle I imagine mm -hmm. you know everything you wrote about in the article about mm -hmm. advertising and promotional strategies and social media for me it's been a, a, a huge learning curve and an overwhelming mm -hmm. one at times yeah and so what's yeah. that learning curve experience been like for you how did you get started learning this kind of thing and yeah yeah oof. I mean it's I feel like I've said oof you know every question I'm just like oof. yeah that's like I feel yeah. like that is uh the yeah. the point of this podcast is to get the guests yeah, yeah, yeah. To oof enough times that's, yeah, when, yeah. that's when I know we're really hitting the real the I real just rename it the oof show <laughs> yeah that's good yeah. I like that's that or oh, like a tagline oh. makes you say oof yeah 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 anyway um what was the oof for the oof was because it's a huge learning curve it's an enormous i mean i still feel like i've only scratched the surface that's not true sorry i'm gonna sense my i'm gonna um i'm gonna go back on that because I, I feel like i've got to grips now with vaguely what avenues you can explore to promote your music um i think what i haven't you know scratched the surface of is more like the the implications of doing that or like the the emotional trade-offs that all of this stuff come with, which we were talking about before. But how did I begin? I think it really helped that I was working with a friend who he's involved in music, he works in music, and he knows a lot about uh, modern promotional methods and um, specifically also the data side of music and that kind of stuff. So it was really helpful to have someone to work with uh, in those stages and to kind of get a, a an understanding of, of this stuff. And then I just started like, watching YouTube videos on music marketing and 
um, trying to dive into as much kind of content as possible to learn from it. Um, I think you learn a lot also by following other artists and seeing what other artists are doing. And that's been really helpful. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest mistakes you think you've made in terms of learning to promote yourself? And then on the flip side of that, the most helpful, like insightful lessons. Mm. <laughs> less, of, less of an oof, more of a... Um, I just need to think about this. It's a good question. That's Again, totally fine. Like, I, you know, I was even thinking, like, should I be taking notes before a call like this? And I was like, that'd be a bit weird if I like... Yes, of course. Biggest mistake. So, yeah, you like um, a PowerPoint. Number one. Like... Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> I think the mistakes have been getting really bogged down in... Actually, I had an interesting thought last night, which I'd like to share, which is about, about this. And it's an analogy which I'm sure people have used before because it makes a lot of sense. But if you if you see like music and music promotion as an art gallery where the art hanging from the walls is the music and the art gallery itself like the room and the the people there working and bringing people in showing them the art whatever and that, that's the kind of music marketing then i think i've i've got really bogged down in feeling like the gallery and the art itself needs to come from the same place so for the first two years of my project i i have this character pink mario right who's this alien trying to get back home for the first two years i was sure that everything going on inside the gallery, all the people working there and like getting people in and to look at the art that had to be from the same emotional place, which is my music, I think is more, you know, nostalgic, dreamy, romantic, whatever. And so the promotion was also really committed to the story. And by promotion, I mean, what content I was posting, how my tone of voice when I was writing things, every aspect of like the shop front, the gallery front was in that same, like, you know, melancholic angle. I think that was a bit of a mistake because I've realized that I actually want to treat those two things completely separately. I think the art hanging from the walls is my my songs, which people can go listen to if they're interested in me or if they just like the music from somewhere else. And everything going on in the gallery, the you know the way that I show my music can just be like me as a human, because it's it's also very tiring to have to always present yourself as a as a persona. I still want to do that, and when I perform live, it's a really important part of the the show. But yeah, I think I think I think I'm realizing now that the gallery can just be a fun gallery. Like it can be a fun place to be with elements of my art laced in. Um, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. It made me think of the the way I think that I discovered you was via mm -hmm. an ad. I'm pretty sure it was mm -hmm. like a, a story. Yeah. And it was the one that you had posted that was like it was more humorous. You know, for someone like you said, like you say, who's more writing nostalgic dream pop tracks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think what actually drew me in first of all i love dream pop so i was like mm -hmm. fully good job <laughs> facebook ads because like <laughs> i'm the target audience but like okay. but also i appreciated the existential humor i think it was something like day 108 of me like singing my song at the buzz until they tweet about me or something oh, like okay. that and yeah. i thought it was so funny and so good and it was such a great combination like the humor with the existential dream pop music i was nice. like oh i'm opting into this oh, like cool. i vibe so i nice. think it's a you're on the money it's a good strategy like to be yourself in your music but also like mm -hmm. in a different way in a more like three-dimensional way in your yeah. social media presence have you had a similar thing do you think in in terms of how do you feel about this about like, being art. yourself yeah. yeah, like the art versus the, the promotion and those different mm -hmm. sides. Yeah, well, in terms of promotion, like I'm I feel like I'm at the very beginning of the learning curve. Like and I feel mm -hmm. like every time I learn something new, mm -hmm. I open a different can of worms. So I was just getting started in learning about like social media content. Like how do I make content that has value that isn't just like yeah. blech, like all, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time. Like, you know, because yeah. I I don't want to post every single day the same thing over and over just to get streams on my song. Like I like we were saying before, I don't want just the digits. Like I want something meaningful. I want to create something of value. So I was in that was my learning curve. And then now that I'm like revving up to like start to promote new material for the first time in forever, I'm like, oh, okay, now I need to learn how to advertise well. And mm -hmm. that's like I was just getting started in one learning curve of social yeah. media. Now I'm like in a new learning curve with with advertising and that feels overwhelming yeah. too. So I can't mm -hmm. really speak to how I'm managing the the gallery, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I'm, perhaps like in time, I'll I'll know how to speak mm -hmm. to that. Well, I, I think firstly, what, what you're doing, which I think is really cool, is this podcast. I, I was really um, impressed. Yeah, impressed. I don't know if impressed is the right word. I think it's a really good way to like start 
exploring the themes which you are clearly like important for your music in a way that also helps you meet other people, make real connections and like be yourself. And I think that's a, so it's a kudos, good job. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, think Mario. <laughs> <laughs> think Mario. <laughs> you stop. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I was trying to get to as well. First of all, thank you. I appreciate that. And that's what I'm trying to learn how to do is like, bef when I was learning the sort of formulas of how people get streams, it would feel like, you know, I would feel like a constriction Mm -hmm. in my body just felt mm -hmm. like oh it feels manipulative anyway I'm not saying it is objectively but for me it felt like I don't want to just churn out content like I, I but I also see the value of advertising and promotion where which is a sign of growth for me because in the past you know when I was like a, an earlier adult like 21 or like a teenager and stuff I just thought that marketing was just bad like it's just a bad mm -hmm. word you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah. now I don't see it that way at all I see it as like a completely neutral thing it's just like a tool it's just a thing and the way you use it and to what end is what makes it good or bad if there you yep. know, is such a thing but anyway so in that line of thought now I'm like how can I find ways to promote myself and like lean into the fact that you know, this is in some way advertising my work and I'm not going to like pretend that it isn't like it okay. is, but how do I make it meaningful and valuable to more than just myself? Like first of all, to the audience mm -hmm. with sort of Facebook ads, things that I'm like exploring and social media content. But with this podcast, it's like, how do I like advertise myself, but then also do that by simultaneously promoting other artists because mm -hmm. precisely it's also it feels sometimes like such a competitive place yeah. because it's so there's so many emerging artists like 120,000 songs uploaded a day on streaming platforms yeah. and I just don't want to be in this perspective of like it, it's me against them you know yeah. I don't want that at all it feels bad <laughs> totally totally and so it's part yeah. of this podcast is um there's many reasons for it but it's like mm -hmm connecting with people and promoting other artists and promoting myself but yeah. doing it in like an honest way if I can yeah. but that's <laughs> my view <laughs> seems pretty honest you're doing good. <laughs> yeah the side eye <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no no it's I think it's really good yeah and and you're right I think it's not a nice mentality to be in when you're seeing everyone as com competition because it's not like a zero sum game. Yeah, it's not exactly. like it's one person who wins and there's, and, and also what we were talking about before, what does winning mean? You know, it's not yeah. about really not about the, the, the streams or the, that, that side of it. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a, a really nice place to come from. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's kind of this um, remnant of the archaic music business mentality where perhaps in the past before streaming platforms there were only a few seats at the table and so it did you mm. did need to be maybe more competitive to sort mm. of get signed or whatever and you needed labels where now it's like labels help but you don't necessarily need them and everyone can have a seat at the table because everyone can upload their music there's no need for competition anymore yeah but maybe there's just like because we're sort of transitioning away from the old music industry into the new music industry, it's perhaps there's remnants of this feeling of competition that would just like that really don't need to be here anymore. Like they have, they serve no purpose and they're not based on any truth at all. Definitely. I, I mean, I think you actually can see concrete examples of the, that kind of uh, the, the whole seats at the table idea, because in some ways there are still only certain seats, a certain amount of seats at the table. When you look at something like Spotify editorial playlists, which have got essentially real estate ownership from major labels because major labels have got stake in Spotify and they therefore occupy like, let's say like new music Friday for any given market, they'll be like, they'll occupy 90% of that, um, that playlist real estate, which is, you know, like a direct example of how, how there's still that. And, but I think the whole major label game is so different to the indie artist game and, and the indie label game as well, to be honest. I think that the major label game is still really a brutal engine and machine, which, which wants to like wring as much value out of its portfolio as possible. I'm speaking from anecdotal experience and, and, you know, kind of having read about this stuff, but, um, <laughs> major label gurus, if you're watching, feel free to correct me. Yeah. <laughs> 
you can always contact me at Pete Marriott. <laughs> I'm open, you know, no shit. Music.com. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm not actually going to give out my email address, but I'll, uh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think, I think, um, yeah. So I think that, that, that the major labels are still kind of stuck in time a bit in this comp- like fiercely competitive, mm-hmm. um, capitalistic approach to music promotion. Yeah. I guess, again, it goes back to this idea of what is success in music, because I do see two camps. You're totally right. Like, I think if you're aiming for like superstardom, you can't really do that without a, a major label. Like they, so they do serve their purpose. But I think you can also go very far as an indie artist. And I mean, at least for me, I think that's probably what I'm aiming for a bit more is just like being in the indie space and, mm-hmm. you know, building an audience of people who genuinely vibe with my music, but doing it with as little of a competitive mindset as possible, mm-hmm. but also with a willingness to promote and to do the mm-hmm. marketing thing, whatever. It's a mm-hmm. fine line. And speaking yeah. of fine lines... <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, think, I think this might be another oof moment. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I think it is going to be another oof moment. Um, I'm sorry, but you know what? It's your fault because <laughs> you're the one that wrote this in your Spotify uh, bio. Okay. Let me just find it. Oh, crap. What did I write in Spotify bio? <laughs> yeah. You wrote uh, treading the cosmic line between dreams and desperation, mm-hmm. which I yeah. love love first of all it like really fits your music very well uh, nice. so good job on the copywriting <laughs> that but also shout out <laughs> yeah. oh really no of course <laughs> no, okay. not <laughs> well, you never know these days. Yeah, I, no. I never doubted you yeah. i would read a book of yours for sure that book you're oh, talking about before thank you stay you tuned uh, on that. yeah plans for publication 2041 so you know Pretty Keep, soon. Yeah, pretty soon. Yeah. Pre-save. Um, <laughs> pre-save the book. <laughs> what was I gonna, oh yeah, trying the cosmic line between dreams and desperation. So I fully relate to that. I feel like I'm fully walking down that same tightrope all the time and like mm-hmm. fumbling about and going from one side, you know, working on music and like from a completely pure-hearted dream-based way to then like falling into the other side of just getting too wrapped up in the promotion and the marketing and then it's like it starts to feel a bit more like prideful than love-based yeah Yeah. anyway so and again i think it's an interesting question where do you think the line is between a dream and a delusion yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) no 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 I, I don't have an answer for that, really. I, I, so much, so much of stuff I, I really don't have answers to, and and I'm figuring out really. I I, I know how I want to live. Uh, well, I don't know why. I, I instantly just went to like the way that I live because to me it is about that. It's about how you. It's about your happiness, really. It's about how how you get happy, and I I want to live with much more confidence in in the present moment and and completely committing to that as my lifestyle and it, it's being very simple but very effective way of just living happily and so i think dreams are they're beautiful things but they're they're things that are conceived by the mind and the things which you you can uh, hold as very important in, an, in a really abstract sense so things happening in the future or things that happened in the past or that kind of interplay and yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a, a person who at the moment has detached from them. I still get swept up in them and I feel like I live on a daily basis with them very present. Um, but maybe the, the solution is, is kind of actually seeing them as, you know, as objects, like this idea of detaching from them and, and finding happiness in, in a much more simple kind of version of life. And the delusion side, dreams and desperation, desperation. Yeah, I, I think that, to be honest, the delusion, the desperation comes from not being able to get to that point, that like the middle point or a centered point. Yeah, I mean, I'm just at this point, I'm just riffing. I have no idea for that, if that made sense. Like, <laughs> let's hope it did. Let's hope everyone's like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> no, 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 that made a lot of sense. But yeah, I think I used to be in delusion slash desperation mm-hmm. all the time because I, I was fully in my idealism so I was always daydreaming about things I wanted to do mm-hmm. but never doing them and for me that's probably why I would draw the line between like a, a delusion or a desperation and a dream is like if it's a yeah. dream it's your north star it's like it's your vision but you are like working on making it a reality mm-hmm. it's just the thing that you go to to be like this is what I'm 
going for and like this is my north star and this is and you know a dream can be so powerful too like energetically because it's like it can really animate you and it can push you forward when it gets hard and of course, in this industry, it does get hard, especially when you do everything by yourself at the beginning. I don't know. I'm also riffing, but it's making me think of like, you know, what we're talking about before with success and getting the digits. I would say mm-hmm. that getting the digits is probably more motivated by the like desperation and like mm-hmm. getting the emotional fulfillment is probably motivated more by the dream part of things. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. I want to be mindful to also not like claim that one thing is bad and the other is good. Yeah, I think sure. life yeah. is so much more complex than that yeah. and like we need kind of the polarity of things yeah. to move forward but... definitely and, and actually one big thing I've, I've been ignoring is that one of the reasons I wrote that sentence is because it applies specifically to Pink Mario and Pink Mario's journey which is dreaming of home and dreaming of a place where th- they belong and on the other hand this the despair of knowing that you'll probably never get there and that you're stranded and so I think that the consequences of the thing I was talking about for me that applies on a human level, how do you reckon with that? Well, you can't do anything because there's no way to get back home. So you have to find contentment or satisfaction in, in what you have and, and that kind of the reality of your everyday present self. So I think for, for the alien, that sentence makes sense. And it also applies to me in a, in a, in a more abstract way, in a kind of, and I think maybe that's also why I've, my Pink Mario has been very helpful for me because it's helped me to voice things in a quite roundabout way because, you know, emotions are peculiar things and they're hard to just like out, you know, as they are immediately. But it, for me, it really helps to have this vessel of, of a really extreme story of like this alien who's stranded and feeling, has feeling of loneliness, you know, all this kind of like self-discovery and obviously it applies to me. It's a, you know, it's a very kind of, it's a facade for how I really feel basically. Um, Mm -hmm. There is something kind of like spiritual in what you're saying too, like this idea of behind the pink Mario persona, it's like, oh, I want to return to like the spiritual reality or whatever they believe in, but I'm here Mm -hmm. on earth as a human being. Like, how do I make peace with that? How do I like embrace the messiness Mm -hmm. of humanity without like Mm -hmm. just bypassing it all and, you know, trying to reach something beyond. Exactly. And it's like pink Mario's on earth, right? He's around all these foreign creatures, like these strange different creatures and that there's a on the one hand this is resistance like these aren't my people i feel so different to these people that's why the dreams come in i i I would like to be back home with my own kind but then yeah the 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 step towards just accepting that and then actually realizing that you're much more similar to those people than you thought because you know spoiler alert pink mario looks a lot like a human um (laughs) he does he's just uh, dressed in pink okay yeah exactly (laughs) he's got wavy gums basically yeah um but yeah so i think there's that kind of like acceptance of of the people around you and realizing you can also i guess turn to them for support and connection and that kind of stuff yeah well we're reaching the top of the hours there's a couple of things i want to ask before we Mm -hmm. wrap up here but i wanted to touch base on the music video because i think you did mm. such a good job of, I mean, according to my interpretation of the song, of course, of representing those themes, because there's a whole lot going on there, but it's like space, galactic, you know, images, you've got like industrial architecture, you've got politicians and Wall Street guys. And then also these scenes that I particularly loved where it's just, you know, shots of you, normal and like mm. on the town, you know, yeah. um, and then it's sort of like, turns into these little pixels and it's hard to mm. sort of distinguish yeah, yeah. real reality from like artificial pixelated reality mm-hmm. um, and I thought that, that was very interesting love the visuals first of all if there's anyone we can shout out for the visuals Absolutely. Evan Peters for the wonderful shots and um, Quantum Era at Quantum Era <laughs> for the the glitching the glitch work which is what you mentioned the kind of pixelating um, they did a great job Really yeah cool. cool if i can get those links i'll link them down too but yeah absolutely um, but yeah so shout out to them because that looked great mm-hmm. and then i wanted to ask you you know briefly what was your vision for the music video like what did you have anything specific you wanted represented how was the process for that um the process was an incredibly well thought out um totally spontaneous and not actually thinking about anything at all um idea to film a music video so yeah it it really it was very it came it came um came about very last minute and um i just got in touch with kevin 
who I mentioned already, and he was very gracious and able to just pull something together at the, at the last minute because um, I didn't really explicitly budget for this at the beginning of the year. But I'm really happy with what came together. I think it really, um, yeah, it, it fit the song and it was a really nice. We filmed the material and then we had it and I was like, I think there's something missing here. And that's when I had this idea of basically using this kind of B-roll footage, just like spruce it up. There's really not much more to say there, just to like make it look cooler. It is spruced up, okay, I would say. Thank you. But also it's, it doesn't mm -hmm. seem as spontaneous as it sounds like it was put together. Because mm -hmm. my interpretation of the song is that it's, you know, speaking to someone who's overwhelmed by how fast the, the world is moving and, yeah. you know, there's so much going on technologically, politically, environmentally, all this stuff. So it makes total sense to me that there would you'd see like rockets and politicians and Wall Street guys and like pixelated mm -hmm. realities and you don't know what's real and what's artificial yeah. and like industrial images and trains and architecture. Like to me, it looks how it sounds. Awesome. I, I wanted to ask you about that's, that. That's great. No, that's great to hear. And I think it fell together really nicely. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's also a great thing about art that like you don't have a plan and that sometimes fall to, it falls together and you're like, oh, that is that that is art. It could. Yeah. Like, it's, well, yeah. it usually happens that way, which is funny too. Like the more you try to plan yeah. it, even with these conversations, it's like, it's funny because I always write out lists of questions, but I always mm -hmm. know that I'm like going to only loosely refer to them. Yeah, yeah. But every time like, well, you never know, you know. And then every time I record one of these, it's like, I almost want to, it's like it goes somewhere in my subconscious and every once in a while as the conversation moves forward, like one of them might emerge randomly, but otherwise I don't think about it at all. And I feel like that's the most organic way to Definitely. create. So I Definitely. guess you use the same method, you know, in your music yeah, video. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, just to wrap up, um, yeah, where can people find you and what's next for you? Um, you can find me on, uh, on Instagram uh and uh on spotify if you mm -hmm. if you have any streaming platform and what's next for me is over the next eight months i'm releasing um a lot of music i'm releasing actually let's say the next year because next october will be the launch of my debut album which is really exciting Yay. and i'm releasing songs basically every six weeks from now until then um Damn. so check it out yeah <laughs> and uh yeah there'll be There'll be plenty of, of new music and I'm really excited to begin. Excellent. I can't wait. It's going to be Pink Mario's year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Treading that cosmic line between yeah. dreams and yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Perhaps That's great to chat. I'll see you again. Yeah. Hi, thanks for making it to the end of this episode. I'm very impressed that you're still here in this attention economy. Wow. Now, unless you hate watch this whole episode, I'm assuming you kind of liked it. In which case, if you haven't already, please consider following if you're listening on a streaming platform or subscribing if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks again so much for your time and I'll see you soon.